I was willing to risk losing him in order to find myself because I had to like I had absolutely no idea who the fuck I was and for me that was more important than like staying in a relationship just because I'm too scared to be alone well hello everyone and welcome back to bougie best friend podcast it is me (laughs) me your host Coco Cornelia Slinsky and I have a really interesting episode for you today. When I say interesting, I mean really interesting. I interviewed Sana Akand. She became well-known for her relationship. What I mean by that, she decided to live separately from her husband while still, you know, being in a relationship and they were still very happy in a relationship. They, She just decided that she needs to learn more about herself. And there was a really traumatic moment in her life when she attempted suicide and she just realized that she was not happy with where she is and that she needs to make some changes in her life. I really enjoyed talking to her. I think this episode is just going to give you a different perspective on relationships. And when I first heard about her story, I was like, what do you mean married but living apart? Does that mean that you're breaking up? Does that mean that you don't want to be with him anymore? Like, what does that mean? So I was like, uh, let me ask her all those questions and uh, let me have my bougie besties tune in. So get ready for a really raw conversation. And yeah, I just really enjoyed talking to her. But before we get into the episode, I got the cutest review the other day on my bougie best friend podcast and please if you did not done so yet leave a review please on apple podcasts because they just mean so much and please click that follow and subscribe wherever you're listening to your podcasts it helps the show grow so yeah just a kind reminder to um, (laughs) a kind reminder to please uh, leave a review on my podcasts, a five-star rating. And it motivates me to keep on going and bring all these interesting, amazing guests to you. Okay, this is the review I wanted to read. Relatable, raw, and genuine. The author of this review is Big Fish Stick. Okay, Big Fish Stick. The review goes like this. Listening to Coco's podcast is what I look forward to on my drive to work on Monday mornings. Truly so inspiring in many ways, from her own personal story to seeing how she's utilizing her platform to help others. She's raw and straight to the point. She's insightful and knows all the right questions to ask. Coco, continue to try. Coco, continue to thrive and shine on. Coco, continue to try. Thrive? Coco, continue to thrive and shine on with everything you're doing, and I can't wait to see more of what's to come. Oh, this is so cute. Thank you, Bish. Thank you, Big Fish Stick. I love this um, nickname. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. Let's dive into the episode. Sana, welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Let's start with you, your past. How did you grow up? A little background so our listeners get to know you. Yeah, so I'm South Asian, grew up Muslim in a very strict household of, you know, learning how to be the perfect wife and mother more than how to 
balance a checkbook. Um, I, you know, felt very inadequate going into the adult world and I felt very like not ready, but, um, you know, at least I had the skills of being a good wife. So Mm -hmm. when I was met my husband, we had a whirlwind romance, but before that I was actually in a really toxic relationship for a long time Mm -hmm. and we were engaged to get married and, something in my gut was just like, no, this is not right. You have to like have freedom. You need to get out. Like I'm a big freedom chaser. So like, Mm -hmm. as soon as I get a feeling that I'm not going to have freedom in the situation, I'm like, I need to get out. So like his parents were telling me, I'm going to have to move to Chicago when we got married. And and where did you grow up? What city? New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So like my entire dream was to live in New York for my entire life. And I was like, I'm not going to be in Chicago. Like who goes to Chicago? Like I'm going to go to yeah, New York. It's <laughs> yeah. Um, so then that was, I got out of that. And then like a few months later, um, I was at my friend's birthday party in New York City. And my husband was like co-hosting because it was also his birthday. And that's how we met. And we ended up like making out. And like I was like... Uh, on like a high, I was just like, you know, I've just got out of this toxic relationship. I'm going to live my life. I'm in New and How York. long was that toxic relationship? Oh my God. We were on and off for like almost 10 years. It was wow. like, I was like 12 or 13 when we met online and, you know, mm-hmm. we, it was, it was just messy and weird. Yeah. Um, I want to just ask, I always, whenever somebody mentions their toxic relationships, I always want to ask, how did you finally get out of it? Because when you're in a toxic relationship and you're going yeah. in and out and on and off or whatever you want to call it, it's so hard to finally just be like, okay, it's enough. It was that wake up call of like, your freedom is being taken away from you. Like you won't get mm-hmm. to choose where you want to live. And for mm-hmm. me, that was like, the wake up call that I needed when his mom called me and she was like, Oh, are you getting ready to like move and not go back to Jersey whenever you want? And I was like, why Mm -hmm. can't I go back to Jersey whenever I want? Like, and how old were you back then? Just for context, 23. Mm -hmm. And And they were already telling you like, okay, your life is going to look this way. Yeah. And like have kids and like, not work. They didn't want me to work. And I, and I had my business at the time I was doing wedding planning, um, for my own company and I was thriving. I was like a businesswoman. Like I got Mm -hmm. all these like fun clients and weddings and friends. And I was like, I'm not just going to give up my independence. And like Mm -hmm. that it's just, that's what it is. Like when you, you get to choose the life that you want to live. And like, if you want to settle for less than what you think you're capable of, great. Kudos to you. Like then you have to accept Mm -hmm. that reality because you're choosing that reality. But if you want more, don't settle and stay in toxic situations. Get out. (laughs) Well, thank God you got out of that relationship. So then what you were in New York making Mm -hmm. out with this guy, Mm -hmm. living life. And then then he like hit me up on Facebook and he's like, oh, let's go out again. And I was like, no, like I'm in my (laughs) like solo girl era, like finally living my best life. I'm not getting into a relationship, but he was consistent and persistent for about three months, four months. And um, I was having like my business was growing and I was starting to have client meetings in New York City for my wedding planning business. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to be in the city. He lives in the city. I want to date a guy in the city. Let me just go out for a drink. So then we went for a drink and then we had sex and then we were Mm -hmm. together ever on the first date. That's great. I love to hear that because a lot of my girls always think that 
if they have sex on the first day that it's a complete, you know, doomed. I I 100% don't agree with that. I think that if a guy likes you, he's not going to judge you. So please, can you talk more about what was going on through your mind at that point? Like, do you just, did you just know that he is somebody you liked or you were just living, you know, the same crazy life? I was just living my best life. Yeah. I was just here to have fun. And we actually didn't get serious for like six months after that. Like we went on vacations together. We were in Cancun. We were in Lake George. We were like traveling and doing all the things, but we both just were so focused on our careers that we didn't want a serious relationship. And um, I remember like three months in, I was like, you know, where is this going? Like, what are we doing? And he's like, I don't know. We're just having fun. Like, let's just see where it goes. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't care either because I was mm-hmm. so busy doing my own thing. But there was something about, so I um, was still dating like other people mm-hmm. in the beginning. And I remember like I was on another date and I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I want to be with him. Like, even mm-hmm. though I'm not in a relationship with him, it was just something inside of me that was just like, Every other guy became so incredibly boring. And mm-hmm. it was like, I don't care where what happens with this. I don't care what the labels are. I just enjoy his company. And I just want to mm-hmm. be with him. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we just did that for a little while. And then we went to his boss let us stay at their house in Arizona in December. So this was like eight months after we started casually dating. And... Um, it was the first time, like, we have this beautiful house to ourselves, a pool, outdoor kitchen, like, I'm cooking dinner, like, he's, like, doing Playing his house. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, whoa, I can see this. Like, I think that's yeah. the moment we definitely fell in love, and we were like, let's fucking do this. Love and then that. we made it official, and then four months later, we were engaged, and then that summer, we got married. Okay, let's let's actually rewind a little bit because a big part of your story is your relationship with your family hmm. and the way you were raised and kind of just those traditional values that you were taught, as you mentioned in the beginning, like you were taught yeah. how to be a good wife and a good mother, but you were not taught how to be independent or how to be a happy <laughs> woman. And I think that with... Where where life is going nowadays, I feel like people are getting more educated on, you know, mental health and being their best self. But back yeah. then, our parents didn't really teach us how to be happy. I know that sounds kind of weird, but they didn't. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think it's not just our parents, it's society as a whole that says that the best woman is one who is selfless, one who sacrifices mm-hmm. her own happiness for the sake of her family and for the sake of, you know, everyone and everything else. Like, even if you put your own career before your family, you're like this horrible person, which is so Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy. Um, So for me, like, I didn't even know what like self-love even was or like what self-care was. Like, I also came from a very toxic family. So when I fell in love with my husband, I felt like I had to earn his love and keep his love and like do whatever I could to have it because I was, I never felt loved before in my entire life until I met him. Um, and I became extremely codependent and anxious. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to do anything and everything I can to make sure that he doesn't stop loving me or he doesn't wake up one day and be like, Oh yeah, that was fun. I'm out. (laughs) Where do you think that came from? I have severe abandonment wounds from my parents. So like when I was born, my parents wanted a boy, they had a girl. And throughout my whole life, it was something that was always that underlying thing where like, 
you and you're the only they, child or no so I have an older brother and older sister and mm-hmm. then they had me but then they also did have another boy which was my little brother mm-hmm. so from I'm kind of like the one that was supposed to be a boy and my mom didn't want to have any more kids she was like mm-hmm. I'm done she didn't even want another boy but her parents and in-laws were like you have to just like do another have another boy so she was like okay fine one last one and that's it but then she had me a girl mm-hmm. and she was like oh fuck I gotta try again for a boy <laughs> this fucking sucks <laughs> so so like I made her really angry because I was a girl yeah <laughs> and like and you can feel that as a child even though you, you weren't really girl you know, I wasn't aware. even allowed to sleep in their room like my aunt raised me my mom had such bad postpartum after having me because she felt like such a failure for not having a boy and she felt like a huge disappointment to everyone around her who kept saying have a boy have a boy have a boy so she felt like I failed as a woman by having a girl, why was that so important me? for her to have a boy just to like continue the family name or something like that It was like, you know, I honestly don't know. I think because they already had a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, my grandfather, my dad's dad, who is no longer with us now, but like he really just wanted a boy. And funny thing Mm -hmm. is that he passed away right before my brother was born. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if like there's something correlated. Reincarnation. Okay. So then you were saying that you just never really felt love as a little girl growing up. Did you ever talk to them about it or how, how is your relationship with them now? Can you speak more about your relationship with them? We just got to a good place now. Like I would say even like a month ago. Um, but mm-hmm. until then it was really, really bad. Like because I was such a freedom chaser, I was always questioning everything that they were like imposing on us. But like, you know, I loved growing up religious and cultured, but I was always curious if there's more out there in life. And, um, you know, I would run away from home, like to hang out with my friends after school. Cause I was not allowed to hang out with my friends after school. Mm-hmm. School is for friends. Home is for family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I would just like go to like Dunkin' Donuts with my girlfriends at like midnight just to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. And like, I always talk to boys, whereas my sister, like, I don't know if, she, um, and I was just really social. Like I was like, I wanted a lot of friends. I wanted to have a big social life and I would throw all these parties with guys and my sister would be like, I can't believe you're inviting guys over. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you were definitely care. an extrovert wanting to hang yeah. out and you were chasing that freedom, but you were yeah. always kind of told that you're not supposed to do that because women yeah. are not supposed to do that. Exactly. So my parents always say that I was like the difficult child because I just Mm -hmm. like wanted to do it all. Like at some point, like one day I came home with a hickey on my neck in like sophomore year of high school. And my parents literally took me out of public school and put me in an all girls private school. Oh, my God. And I was just like, how did that? I mean, you know, now we're laughing about it and just talking about funny anecdotes. But like, how was that for you? growing up and just feeling so restricted. And I mean, for somebody listening right now, because I have, you know, my audience is younger, older, there's no really, there's not really an age bracket. So if somebody's going through that right now, they feel like they are so limited because of their family, because of their surroundings. Mm -hmm. Is there something you can tell them to maybe, you know, ease the pain or give them advice how to move past this or some, something like that? For me, it got to a really dark place, to be honest. And I'm a little worried to say this to your audience because I don't want them thinking that like this is the solution because it's absolutely not the solution. Um, It does get better. Just get older, go to college and like, you know, 
once you get older, you understand your parents more, they understand you more. Um, but junior year of high school, um, my parents found emails between me and my long distance boyfriend and they were sexual and they, my mom like blew up at me calling me a hoe and like all this stuff. And, um, that was like the moment that I drank bleach and I ended up, you know, wanting to take my life. And I felt like no matter what I do, like, I'm just a giant disappointment to my parents. And I think everyone would just be happier if I'm not here. So again, like, you do not have to do that. Like, don't do that. But that's what I did. And I feel like that was the moment that I decided, um, I'm not going to let anyone in the world stop me from living my life the way I want to live it. Because if I let their negativity and control get to me, I'm never going to live my life and I'm never going to be who I'm meant to be. And, you know, I think that that's a huge disservice to the world. I think every single woman is here on earth to like live in her most authentic expression of who she is. And that's the way you create doors and opportunities for others to shine their unique light too. Mm -hmm. Um, So once I made that decision, it was just, lot of back and forth between me and my parents and I had to just like not like cut that energetic cord of like caring about Mm -hmm. making them happy wow thank you for I got goosebumps all over as you were sharing this so thank you for sharing and being so open and vulnerable so when you had that moment of actually trying to take your life away did they realize what they were doing to you no, it became like the butt of the joke. Like, oh, don't make Sana too upset. She might go kill herself again. Oh, Sana's so bad at doing everything. She can't even kill herself properly. Like it literally was, I wasn't even able to process what I just did because it became humorous. Wow. But I can, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking now that it must've been their coping mechanism so that they don't mm-hmm. feel like complete utter failures as parents. That's what happens often when you have a child and they're obviously, you know, unhappy. As a parent, it's very difficult for you to realize that they're probably unhappy because of you. I mean, I'm not blaming all parents for unhappy children, but they, you know, cracking jokes about what happened. I don't think it's... uh, (laughs) It's going to benefit anyone. And like the, um, they prescribed me therapy, obviously, after the incident, and they mandated four therapy sessions. And I went and I loved it. And I was like, I love therapy. Like, I want to stay in therapy. And my parents were like, no, absolutely not. Like, we're not paying for that. So I was like, God damn it. The one place I actually felt heard and seen, like, yeah, I don't get to do that. So you said that you just kind of got better. You, you said that your relationship with them kind of just got better a month ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, in 2018, I quit my job and my parents were like, what are you doing with your life? And then, you know, 2021, 2022, um, you know, chose to live apart Mm -hmm. from my husband and my dad was like, what the hell are you doing? And I just never had the support. We didn't get to that part yet. Okay. We need to, we need to back up a little bit because this is, this is okay. When I first heard that you're married living apart, I was like, what, how is this even what? And I had so many question marks and then I listened, you know, then I learned about your story and it makes so much sense, but let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. So you, 
met this guy, made out at that party. <laughs> then you were playing house at this house in Arizona. Then Fell what in happened? Love. Yeah, we fell in love. And then, um, oh, and then we told our parents that, or like my parents found out or something. My sister probably told them because she's a horrible person. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> you just can't, I, I'm just, I'm I, I don't know even what to say. I just, I'm just, admi- I just admire you so much. And I see that you're an actually happy person. So to have all these people around you, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into it too much, but like, you know, your you have to fight for your own happiness, you. <laughs> you know, like if you sit with the shoulds and like, this is what I sh- like wanted, you end up falling into that victim mentality, which I did mm-hmm. for a while. And mm-hmm. I was just like, why can't I have people around me who love me and support me? But if you don't love and support yourself, then what good is it if you even have people that love and support you? Like, I think that. Mm-hmm. I had to have that experience to like not have anyone love and support me so that I'm left with no one but myself to love and support me. But anyway, we'll get into that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sister uh, always saw me as competition, always was just like trying to ruin my life. And she told my parents that I'm dating this guy who is a total playboy and is never going to settle down and he's using me, blah, blah, blah. So my parents were like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? Like, who is this person? They were like, invite him over for dinner and we'll figure out what to do. Invited him over for dinner. Um, Obviously, my husband was like, I love you and I want them to know that I love you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not gonna like he he was a like, game to do whatever he needed why to did do you to see, prove himself. Why, why did she think that he was a playboy well he was more successful than her husband so i think mm-hmm. she just wanted to break us up because she didn't mm-hmm. want me to be with a man who's more successful than her man mm-hmm. and um she just didn't want me to be happy you know um, are you talking to like, your sister today no we're not we're not in no contact Wow. Which has been the most freeing thing for me in my life. Wow. Okay. So then he came over for dinner. Yeah. Then my parents are like, oh, great. Let me talk to your parents. And then when him and my mom, my mom and his mom talked for the first time over the phone, they set our wedding date and they Mm -hmm. were like, okay, they're like in love. Let's just get them married. And at this point we weren't even engaged. Like we were just starting to get into the serious relationship And he didn't want my parents to think that he didn't, he wasn't serious. So I feel like he was kind of pressured into like buying the ring, planning the proposal. And he was just like, okay, let's just go with it. And we thought, like we talked about it. We were like, you know, how much is marriage going to change? Like we'll finally get to live together and date and have fun. And like life's going to be really, really good. Um, but obviously marriage changes a lot and it's not just a piece of paper, which I had to learn the hard way. Cause our first year of marriage was extremely, extremely hard. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, you, you mentioned you were Muslim. He's also Muslim. Are you guys religious? Do you, how much no. religion kind of played into it or like your family wanting you to marry somebody who's same religion? I think it was more so about the culture. Like we didn't want Like, I honestly did feel pressure at 25 years old, which is absolutely ridiculous now that I think about it. I'm like, 25, you're still a baby. Do not get married. Like, Mm -hmm. but at the time I was like, my sister got married at 21. All my friends were married right after college. And I was three, four years out of college with still no like marriage or even close to it. And that kind of pressure does get to you no matter how independent you are, no matter how like much you love being single. Mm-hmm. Other people's opinions about you being late or too, you're going to, if you wait too long, you're never going to meet anyone. These limiting beliefs really do mess with your head. And, 
you know, when he was ready to get married, I was like, oh, well, I don't want to wait any longer either because what if I wait too long and I never get married? Biggest mistake, like do not, (laughs) for your audience, like do not (laughs) rush. Like you have all the time in the world. You can get married at 30, you can get married at 40, you can get married at 50. Like do not rush into marriage. A hundred percent. And I was, I was going through the same motion when I was in my twenties and I was, I'm born and raised in Croatia. And back then people are more traditional. They get married right after college. They're with the same person, you know, their entire life. I mean, not their entire life, but you know, I know what you mean. There's a plan. So if you're dating somebody around 24 or five, okay, that's going to be your husband or whatever. And I, I moved to the US on my own when I was 22. So I will kind of just like, everybody 22? was like, Yo. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That was a wild, I mean, I'm still here. Oh so I guess gosh. it ended well, but <laughs> it, it was, a, it was a wild ride. And I mean, my parents were very supportive and I have a great relationship with them, but Amazing. it was also like, what the fuck are you doing? Why, totally. why would you want to, why would you want to go through this crazy experience and just jump, not jump. I don't know. Well, the right they want to protect like, you, right? Like they don't want you to go through hardship if you don't have to. Like they're probably like, why would you choose to make your life more difficult yeah. than it needs to yeah. be? Yeah. And I remember even in the very beginning, like the first two years or three years, I kind of didn't really talk to them much because if I was going through something difficult, I didn't want to let them know because then they yeah. would... I don't know why I'm stuttering. Yeah, if I was going through something difficult, I didn't want to tell them because their solution to everything would be just like, just come back home, come back home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as you were saying, I can totally identify myself with that. I was just chasing freedom and to do whatever I wanted to do and just follow my gut and my dreams. And if I fail, yes. whatever, it's my failure. Exactly. Much better than being with someone and living a life that other people just, you know, I'm living my life for me and I'm so happy that you're living your life for you too. And I hope everybody listen. I don't know where is this going, but like everybody no, listening, I got live goosebumps your life for when yourself. you said that. Yeah. Like that's so empowering. I think that's the biggest lesson. Like everyone thinks that like, oh, you have to like serve others. You have to help people and like, to, especially in the spiritual community. And I mm-hmm. think that the that's the biggest block that people get their, themselves stuck into your purpose in life is to be in your most free self so you can inspire others to be free too like that's it that is your purpose mm-hmm. just following mm-hmm. your gut and chasing freedom i love that okay so we we back we we kind of yeah got, so then we got, got sidetracked re- okay okay wedding yeah. date <laughs> happened and then the night before our wedding, my grandmother went into a cardiac arrest, ended up as a vegetable in the hospital, and oh my God. she stayed with us for a month after. So during that entire month was probably the most traumatic time of my life. Like, you know, she came from Texas for our wedding, this and that. Um, so like right from day one, my husband and I were pulled out of the honeymoon phase and into real life, like dealing with grief trauma all of it like family obligations and like real life shit and it wasn't Mm -hmm. this like beautiful fairy tale of like us just like frolicking around Mm -hmm. new york city on amazing beautiful date nights anymore drinking Um, champagne yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so that was like a huge reality check and it was really difficult because my husband was also working insane hours and i wasn't at the time 
because I had my wedding planning business and I got to like make my own hours and do my own thing. So I spent a lot of my time at my parents' house and he's like coming home tired, exhausted from a long day of work to an empty house. And I, and like no food in the house because I was at my parents' Mm -hmm. house. And that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, wow, I'm a wife. Like, I actually have to care about this person's well-being now. And like, Mm -hmm. we got into a huge fight and he was like, you know, I don't mind you doing whatever you want, but like, can you just stock up the house since you have the time to do so, so that I'm not Mm -hmm. coming home completely burnt out and exhausted. And he was like, can you like, just, he was like, can you just do a load of laundry or whatever? And I was like, what? You want me to cook? You want me to clean? You want me to do laundry? Like, absolutely not. Like, I'm an independent woman. Like, hell no. Um, And obviously, you know, you get to a point and you realize, okay, do you want to support each other and help each other feel good and comfortable? Or do you want to stay in this power struggle phase where you are trying to place your authority he's trying to place his authority and like you are fighting each other or do you want to come together and actually help each other grow and evolve and have a better life um and that was the wake-up call that I needed at that time to be like oh I'm a wife like there's actually things that happen when you are a wife but then I ended up getting a full-time job because I wanted us to have more income and we were we moved into Manhattan at the time and um, we really just wanted like a lot of money and, you know, mm-hmm. power, success, Grinding. all that stuff. Yeah. Like the hustle. And um, that's when I think I was like still doing all the chores in the house and having a full-time job and doing all the things. And he was obviously still working really, really hard too, but he just never really got the habit of like cooking and cleaning and this and that. Cause he, cause I was doing it before mm-hmm. and after. And that's when I think three years of that had me completely burnt out. So in 2018, so we got married in 2015. So in 2018, I'm like completely burnt out. My entire internal body is like shutting down one. I'm in corporate America, something I never wanted to do, but I did mm-hmm. it cause I really wanted the money. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, abandoned myself, like my true self to chase external validation and external success. So like when you do that, you separate yourself from your soul and you end up feeling really depressed and anxious and your body starts to shut down because you're not filling up your cup, your most authentic way. Um, let me just let me just stop you here for one second. When you were going through this first three years of marriage and you were doing all the chores and then he was just not doing his part, I'm sure you voiced it and I'm sure you wanted to have a conversation with him. It's not that he him. didn't do his part, though. Like he was working, like he was commuting mm-hmm. from New Jersey to Connecticut. Like he was waking up at 5 a.m. and coming home at 10 p.m. Like he mm-hmm. was literally burnt out and exhausted doing yeah. that, too. Like on the weekends, like he... The difference is, like, if a man isn't doing the household chores and also treating you like shit, like, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. But when Mm -hmm. he's, like, making you his fucking world and his queen and, like, giving you massages when you're watching TV and, like, you know, Mm -hmm. just showing how much he loves and cares you and appreciates you and cherishes all that you do, that's a different Mm -hmm. way to, like, like, I don't... And also, like, on the weekends, if I'm cooking, he's doing the dishes, Mm -hmm. you know? Like... It was never that he wasn't willing to do it. 
I feel like a lot of people do when they get into serious relationship or marriage, somehow the household chores always end up being the women's responsibility. And mm-hmm. something that I I was doing, my boyfriend and I lived together. So when I was, when we started living together, I was just trying to, you know, play the good girl and like do everything around the house exactly. for him to like me more. Yeah, And then I realized, well, this is what I'm, if I'm acting like this right now, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> so yeah. right now, I honestly, I used to do his laundry. I used to, I used yeah. to honestly just wanted to impress him. And now. Isn't that insane? Like you are worthy yeah. of love without having to earn it. Yeah. Like you don't need to yeah. do any of, they already like you. They're already there. Like, yeah. I don't do his laundry crazy. any longer. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't do anything any longer. I, now that I like coach couples, I always say number one thing, even if if you can't afford it, hire a housekeeper mm-hmm. once a month, minimum yeah. twice a month, honestly, yeah. like every other week. And even if you can't afford it. So I say this because obviously I believe in the power of manifestation. And if you start living in this way, like you make a couple sacrifices, maybe you don't shop mm-hmm. as much, or maybe you don't, you know, go out to fancy dinners for date yeah. night, put that money into a housekeeper, it's going to save your marriage mm-hmm. and it's going to help you manifest your dream life. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's when I talk about this on my podcast about hiring somebody, you know, people sometimes give me feedback. Oh, it's too expensive. Honestly, it's not really too expensive when you it's think not. about it. It's what, like a hundred, two hundred dollars depending on the size. Yeah. It's a dinner. Like, it's a pair of shoes, whatever. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you, you can't, it, it's all about priorities, but okay. Exactly. Let's, I want to talk about more about your story. So you guys were together for three years, married, everything was like the same. And then 2018, you kind of, something happened. Yeah. My entire body shut down and I actually ended up having to like a giant panic attack. And my husband was like, what the hell is going on? Like, what, are you okay? Blah, blah. And I was just like, I can't do this. I, I, my body is shutting down. So he's like, quit your job. Let's get out of New York. And we traveled the world for a year. Like I I literally just quit and we traveled. So we lived in Mexico for three months, Europe for three months, and then Southeast Asia for the remainder of the year. And it wasn't this beautiful, fun, eat, pray, love thing because I was like rebuilding myself, you know, it was a lot of like self-discovery, self-awareness, exploration, like finding myself, this and that. And it was dark. It was scary. And it was very emotional. And I was away from my family for the first time. And my sister had two kids and my brother has a kid and I'm like very family oriented. So being away from them was extremely hard. Um, But it allowed me for the first time to put myself first where I was like, I don't have anyone in my life. I kind of find it interesting how your family did so many bad things to you, but I still feel like you love and speak to them, speak about them with a level of love and respect. Got to keep How that come? heart chakra open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I love that because you are. If you close your heart, you close off all your blessings. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Keep it open. Let it, let it get shattered and then open it up again. That, that's that's how you know you're alive. Yes, exactly. Like, I don't know. If they don't treat you like shit, then what do you have to fight for? Like, how do you build mm-hmm. your confidence if you haven't been stopped down and you have to build it back up? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, adversity that's is a, what a builds us. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good quote. You should, uh, I will absolutely write that down. 
<laughs> yeah, for okay, sure. Okay, then you guys were traveling the world and mm-hmm. you said it was not this glamorous experience that people usually would assume right off the bat. I mean, it was glamorous in terms of like beautiful, like vacations, yeah, beautiful yeah. location, like all this stuff. But um, I was just like mentally like going through a lot. Um, I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, like now I understand that it's not all about hustle culture. I'm understanding the power of human connection. I started hosting these like events in like random cities just to like meet people and hear their stories. So I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to New York and start a community. So then we came back to New York um, in like end of 2019. And I started my company Friendship Club, which is a place for people to meet each other outside of professional networking. So like mm-hmm. our only rule is you can't ask what people do for work. Like you're here to meet them on a human level. They are more than their job. They're not, their job's not their identity, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's so fun. We have like over 500 people. So like if anyone's in New York, join it. It's fun. I'm going to um, drop all the links in my show notes so people can check it out. Perfect. Yeah. So I did that. And then the pandemic hit. So I'm trying to build this community during the pandemic, which was the hardest thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, We did a lot of virtual events until the vaccines rolled out. And then um, I started charging memberships for the club. And that's when I realized how many limiting beliefs I have inside of me and how I think I'm the super confident person when in reality, I don't even think I'm worthy of being the successful entrepreneur that I really wanted to be. So that pushed me on another healing journey of like my self-worth, my self-love, my identity, this and that. Um, And I started to realize that I needed to awaken my divine feminine inside of me in order to be the person that I want to be. And that's when my husband and I decided to live in our own apartments so that I could feel like a really strong, independent woman. Cause I felt like I was relying on, relying on him so much. And I wasn't able to be that super confident person that I wanted to be while still living with him. Okay. How did that conversation even happen? Was that something that you were thinking about? Was that something that you wanted to do, but you were afraid to ask? It's so unusual for couples mm-hmm. to do this and still stay happily married yeah um so for me it was like I said I was, I was on this new healing journey so I was journaling every day one of the prompts was what's like a childhood dream of yours that you have always had and I started writing and I was like you know my own apartment in New York my company dating a guy that like I love and that spoils me going up for drinks on the weekends with my girlfriends the sex in the city life Mm -hmm. that I've always wanted. Like New York was my dream. And I realized that living in a one bedroom apartment, no matter how nice it is, like it's fucking tight with your husband or partner. Like there's just, I can attest to that. (laughs) And also like, it's so much easier to just be like, Oh, instead of going for to the gym or to the, to do yoga. I'm just going to stay home with my husband. Or instead of going Mm -hmm. out with my friends, I'm just going to cuddle on the couch with my man. Like Mm -hmm. that codependency got so bad that I completely abandoned my identity in order to just spend more time with them because I was so in love and obsessed. And I realized that that's actually really toxic. Like you're supposed to be able to go grocery shopping without your husband. Mm -hmm. Like it got, got to a point where like, my friends would be like, Hey, I never get to see you without him. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, 
I'm here all the time. And they're like, no, you're not. And I was like, oh shit, you're right. Like mm-hmm. I have, I don't do anything without my husband. Um, and then I also did shrooms during that time. And they were like, if you want to live the life that you so badly want to, like, you got to step up. You got to, you got to heal your attachment wounds. Talk to me about shrooms because not a lot of people talk about it. A lot of people do it. Some people look at it as, you know, this woo-woo hippie. Mm -hmm. That's for, you know, those crazy yogis over there. What is, how did you even, I never even talked about shrooms on my podcast. So I'm like super happy we're talking about it. I, I, I did it a few times. I'm not like really knowledgeable about it. I just mm-hmm. did it like for fun. Yeah. So please talk to me about shrooms. <laughs> so shrooms for me, I did it for fun. Like my husband and I went hiking in upstate New York and we were like, let's just do shrooms. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then it was a totally different experience for me than it was for him. He just like saw great things. He's like having the time of his life. I went on like this insane spiritual journey of like completely like unveiling the truth of like, I, I talked to God, like I, I connected with my ancestors. Like it was hugely like, it just connected me to a whole nother world that I didn't even know was there. And that's when my true spiritual journey began. Um, and now I do shrooms every full moon to like invite in whoever has wisdom for me whoever is here to tell me like where in my body do I still need to heal so I can evolve my soul um I'm addicted to growth <laughs> like I'm just I constantly love, I love wanting that. I love to evolve so <laughs> um I think that there's like unlimited dimensions and I want to like explore all of them <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah it's to me shrooms is what healed my depression and my anxiety because it gave me the power to believe in myself and then it also helped me um just like understand that the universe is not what we think it is and break out of the matrix in the 3d world so for somebody who's listening to this and they might have like such a negative opinion about shrooms Mm -hmm. they're not a drug or are they a drug how would you define it Mm-hmm. So it grows in on earth. So I believe that anything that mother nature is here to give to us, like, you know, it, it comes as a gift to humanity. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a huge difference in like cocaine and alcohol and things like that versus like weed and shrooms, like plant medicine for me is sacred. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people use it for fun too. I honestly don't mm-hmm. like, I would never do shrooms and like party. I, I use mm-hmm. it for very intentional reasons. For healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think so that's the thing too. Like it depends on your intention and how you use it and what your brain is able to accept for it. What about microdosing? So I don't microdose. I tried it, but for me it was, I use lion's mane instead of microdosing actual what like, is psychedelics. That? Lion's mane is not, it's, it's also a shroom, like a type of mushroom, mm-hmm. but it's more about like focus and helps you mm-hmm. like like you could just take it any time it's not it doesn't awaken mm-hmm. the whole nother dimension <laughs> what made you finally decide that you want to live apart was this hiking experience that you had or was it the right. journaling or how it did was, you so when I was journaling and it was that life and then I started really crying and got really emotional and I shared it with my husband and he was like 
why can't we do that now? He's like, why not just try, like, if you want to live on your own and you want to do this, like, let's just do it. And I was like, absolutely not. Everyone's going to think we're going to get divorced. Like, no, I don't want people thinking this trouble in paradise when there isn't. And he's like, well, do you want to live your life for others or do you want to live your life for us? Because he was also game. Like he lived in New York before we got married, but he always had roommates. So he never had his own place. And now he has all this money. He's like, now I get to live it up and do it my way. Um, so he was really excited when I when we started talking about it. And his excitement, I think, is what made me realize, like, who cares about what other people think? Why not just try it? And at the end of the day, like you always say, if we fail, if it sucks, mm-hmm. like you can always go back or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Like it's not so permanent as yeah, we think it but is. But it's, it's so fascinating how you guys both had this idea and you were like, okay, let's try it. Because a lot of other couples would just look at it like, is that, is this you telling me that you want to leave me? Is this mm-hmm. like a And we had agenda? those conversations. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we didn't. We were like, what does this mean? Like, if we want to live apart, does this mean that we don't love each other as much as we think we do? Like, does this mean that we're not right for each other? But at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't have to be so black and white. You can try things. And we said that too. We were like, you know what? Let's just like detach from this marriage completely get to know ourselves and then come back together if we want to and date again and reintroduce these new versions of ourselves to each other because we never got to like grow up because we got married so young and how old were you when you got married 25 he was 28 29 yeah um and again like I lived with my parents and then I lived with my husband like I never lived alone and um I, I just like knew at the time that we might not make it through this. Like I was willing to risk losing him in order to find myself. Cause I had to, like, I had absolutely mm-hmm. no idea who the fuck I was. And for me, that was more important than like staying in a relationship just because I'm too scared to be alone. Wow. I love <clears throat> this so much. So you guys decided you were going to do that. How did you find an apartment? Like, how was that whole experience? Oh my gosh. It was so hard. It was like freaking pandemic time in New York City and everybody that wanted <laughs> I, an I apartment. Was actually there. I was there. I was living in New York uh, during the pandemic. I was oh in New York gosh. for seven years and then I moved to Miami two years oh, ago. Wow. New York during COVID was, um, it was Shit something show. else. <laughs> <laughs> and it still is, honestly, in my opinion, is not the same as it used to be. But yeah, maybe I'll come back. Um, it was hard because every time I would liked an apartment, I would go see Mm -hmm. it and it would be taken. So Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell? Like, and every single apartment that I saw, it was just so mediocre. I was like, I wasn't excited. But then there's this one that came up available. I rushed over there to see it. Fucking loved it. The cutest studio apartment ever under my budget. And I was, and I just like wrote a check right then and there. I was like, here's a thousand dollars. Take it off the market. I want it. And they were like, um, okay. So then they like left, <laughs> they had everyone leave and, um, I got approved for it and I got it and I moved in literally like less than a week later. And that's when it hit me. Cause I put that down and then I had the conversation with my husband. I was like, I, I put down a deposit for an apartment today. And he was like, holy shit. 
this is happening. Because all <laughs> up until that moment, we were just like talking yeah. about it, this and that. Like it wasn't real until that moment. Um, and we were like, oh shit. And then the, we ordered boxes and I'm started packing and it was the most emotional time of my life. Like could not stop crying, thinking I'm making the biggest mistake of my life. Like what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and just trusting that God had a better plan for me. So you moved into your studio apartment. Cried all night, the first night. It was so hard. Wow. And then I woke up and I journaled and I remember writing, I made it through. I made it through the first night. And like, it's such a beautiful day. And like, I walked over to Central Park and I always lived in lower Manhattan. So I never like, you know, the saying, oh, I don't go up 14th Street. Mm-hmm. I was, <laughs> I used to be one of those. I was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so like for the first time I got to experience the beauty of Central Park and the Met and, you know, all the beauty that is of Upper Manhattan and all the gorgeous brownstones and the houses and the community. And I was like, holy shit, like there's a whole nother world that I never got to experience. And people have a lot of money and it really motivated me to like really build myself back up and really like be rooted in my personal wealth. And that inspired me to just like chase my dreams with my career, not play small anymore. So how was your relationship then? So you guys decided to live apart. Were you like sleeping over at each other's apartments or how did that look? Yeah. So for the first, um, two months. So October, I moved in October 19th. And well, I guess up until the end of November, we said, let's not see each other. And let's just like focus on ourselves. And we talked like texting, mm-hmm. FaceTime, this and that. But um, we really, really tried to keep it really minimal so that we're not relying on each other for company the second we get lonely. We forced ourselves to be lonely to figure out what we want to do with our free time. You know what I learned the other day? I learned there's a difference between being lonely and being in solitude. Mm -hmm. There's two different, like when you think about yourself. But it takes a journey to get there. Yeah. Because everyone at first is going to be lonely. Yeah. You start with being lonely and then you realize Mm -hmm. that you actually enjoy your own company. So you decided to be really minimal contact for the first, Mm -hmm. first, let's say two weeks. Like a month and a half. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then how did you start like scheduling your hangouts? And then it was like Christmas time and um, I had a huge falling out with my family. So I went home for Thanksgiving and my sister and I got into a huge fight, typical. And my mom asked me not to come home for Christmas so that the kids can have a good Christmas. And that was when I was like, wow, like... I'm going through this whole like emotional thing with my husband and now my family doesn't even want to be there to support me. And it was hard. Like I felt like I was losing everything at the same exact time. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know if my husband and I were going to make it. I didn't like, I had no family support. My business was not doing well. Like it took a huge dive. It wasn't growing the way I thought it was going to grow. And I was completely lost. And I remember in December, he was like, oh, do you like, are you, are you ready? Like, do you want me to come over? And I was like, no, not yet. And I just let myself like 
be so fucking sad and like just like cry and like paint and draw and like get high and dance and this and that and like I always knew I had him if I needed him but I had to prove to myself that like you can get through hard things alone Mm -hmm. um and then you know Christmas came around and he ordered a Christmas tree for his apartment and he's like fuck your family let's make our own traditions for Christmas. And I was like, wait, what does that mean? Like, are you like ready to like get back, like officially like make this like a family unit? Like, are we doing this? Like for real? Um, he like planned a whole gorgeous like Christmas weekend and it was the most romantic thing in the fucking world. <laughs> and I finally felt like I don't need my family at all. Like I have my family with me and my husband. Mm-hmm. So where are you guys today? How are you still living apart? Are you living together? So we moved to LA, cross country move um, in July because he got a job out here and he's like, I think I'm going to move to LA. And I was like, I am not doing a bi-coastal freaking relationship. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little intense. I'm like, I hated the 15 minute commute back and forth between our apartments. Like, absolutely not. Um, So he's like, are you sure? Like, you have your entire company here, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'll figure it out. Like, it's fine. Um, I was already at that time. So we started getting a lot of press for our decision to live apart together. And I was started to get clients that are like, oh, can you help me fix my marriage? And I was already like, it was all these pieces that were falling into place for me to be ready to just leave everything in New York and go to LA. So we came here for a week in April, loved it, made the official decision to move. And now we live together again in a nice like lots of space three bedrooms I said I need my own room to like do all my hobbies and my all the things that I want to do like I am not living in a one bedroom ever again with a man (laughs) absolutely talk to me about this first few months when you were how long were you living apart eight months so when we first moved back in together it was so easy to fall back into those old habits of codependency Cause it was so comfortable, um, especially being in a new city where we don't know anyone. And I'm like, I don't know. So, I wasn't doing all the things I was doing in New York. Wait, so you were living separately the entire time in New York and then he yeah. got transferred to LA and that's when you kind of, yeah. Okay. I didn't know together. that. I, I thought that yeah. you moved in together in New York and then moved back to LA. Wow. Okay. Wow. So you went yeah. from having your own studio <laughs> Living your sex in the city life to (laughs) moving to LA again with your husband yeah, and trying to figure this out again. Literally just like trusting my gut and just being like, I mean, it was at first I was like, we got all this press for living apart together. I Mm -hmm. really truly was wondering, is this my life purpose? Am I supposed to be the spokesperson for helping women have their independence while being married? And I truly at that moment felt like I'm betraying my purpose because I wanted to live with my husband again. But at the same time, it's like, I am in control of my destiny. Like I get to choose what I want to do. And if I want to live with him, I'm going to live with him, whether God tells me Mm -hmm. to or not. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. (laughs) If you can sum up those eight months living apart, what would you say you learned? Not just about yourself, but Mm -hmm. about relationships in general. That, 
the key to a relationship is not communication. It's vulnerability. Like understanding yourself so deeply so that you're able to explain yourself better to your partner and like understanding that you're allowed to have two totally different realities of the same exact experience. The goal isn't to like get yourselves on the same page. It's to create enough space for two different realities to coexist together. And you mentioned you were getting a lot of press because of your relationship. How did that happen? I posted a TikTok video when I had five followers about living apart (laughs) and then it blew up and then Insider covered it and that went global. And then we were invited to ABC Studios on Tamron Hall's show. Um, Good Morning America did a segment on it. We were in the New York Times. And even to this day, I still get like random publications that are always reaching out to talk about it. And I'm just like, why is everyone so curious about like what is going on? Like, We're not the first ones to invent this. I think you kind of are. I mean, the first (laughs) ones were openly talking about it because people, as you said in the beginning, people were just probably thinking of trouble in paradise. Oh, what's going on? Like, let's, Mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to find something that's not working there. So tell me today, you guys are in LA, you're coaching people. (laughs) He's, he has his business. Tell me about your day-to-day life now completely different like I feel like we're finally starting the life that we wanted to live when we were dating and like we finally got rid of all of the toxicness the baggage of our families of our obligations of life and our inner wounds like we both during that time apart took the time to heal and grow as people So we can come together and just have so much fun together. Like, that's the whole point of being with a partner in life is to just like deal with your own shit. Don't put your shit on me. I'm not going to put my shit on you. And let's just have fun. And like when you are vibrating at that frequency of flowy, open love and true love, your world becomes magnetic to all these opportunities and people and places and things that like make your life just so rich. I love this. And I wanted to thank you again for coming on the podcast. I, when I heard about your story through our friend Carice, I was like, this is weird, but I'm intrigued. (laughs) And I'm I'm so glad you were intrigued. (laughs) I was very intrigued and I'm so happy that you shared your story and I would love for everybody to check out your socials, even if you said you were coaching now. So if they need some coaching, they can reach out to you. So please tell me all your socials and where can people find you? Yeah. So my Instagram would probably be the best place to find me. It's at Sana Akand. If you care about my personal life, my TikTok, I just post a lot of fun stuff on there. And um, my website, sanaakhan.com. If you do want to work with me, I help couples just get to deeper connection and intimacy. So yeah. Thank you, Sana. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. The questions are great. It was so much fun. (laughs) Thank you.